Well, good morning, Spring Lake Church. If we have not met yet, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I oversee our adult ministries and am part of the teaching team as well. And more than likely, you have furniture like this in your home, or um, maybe you're just starting out and, and you're hoping to have furniture like this in your house. And right now, it's just the hand-me-downs. But regardless, I want you to take a moment and just to think about uh, the different furniture that um, is representative of the relationships in, in your life, the kind of conversations that you've had, whether uh, the laughs in the, in the coffee shop or, or, or the tears um, that you have shared with one another in those chairs, in those seats, on that couch. Here's the thing, in, in all of those relationships is that um, just like furniture, there is some maintenance needed. I mean, I, I'm sure for many of you, as your furniture goes on, it starts to show uh, some wear and tear. Uh, I know for my family, we have some furniture where the couch cushions are just not as firm as they used to be. You know, they just don't support in, in the same way. There's some things that need to be acknowledged there. Um, or if you reach in to the cushions, you know you're going to find any number of surprises when that happens. You know those times when you reach in when it's like you're looking for the remote and, and you reach in there and you're like, I do not know right now what I am touching. But it's, it's really gross because in there you're going to find popcorn, you're going to find chips, you're going to find dog toys, you're going to find any, any number of, of things that, that are in there. But the point is, just like that furniture needs maintenance, needs upkeep, needs care, our relationships need that as well. Uh, that is what our Make or Break series really focuses on, those aspects of relationship that are so important that if they are neglected, can make or break the relationship, can make it very good or very difficult. So here we are in week two. I know last week you looked at communication, and, and Ryan did uh, a fantastic job uh, on that. And today we are looking at the most important ingredient. And, and I, as we continue in um, this series, I, I really do um, want to encourage you that this is one of those series that it's relationship essentials, but that doesn't mean just in marriage. Okay, it means in all of our relationships, whether it's with brother or sister, whether it's with our parents, whether it's with coworkers, um, any relationship that these are the essentials of what it looks like to have a meaningful, God-honoring relationship. Second thing um, before we jump in is that throughout this series as well, each week there's going to be some things um, that hit home. Okay, and, and I want to encourage you that within this series, this is one of those series particularly where I want to encourage you to keep your arms and legs in the vehicle at all times. Okay, meaning that sometimes when we deal with these kinds of things that really hit home for you, there can be the tendency that you want it to hit home for the person next to you as well. And so you start using your, your arms, your elbow a little bit, maybe a little subtle kick because you don't want anybody seeing the elbow, so you just go lower, you know, and you give them the nudge. And, and I want to encourage you that this is not just one of those things where you say, hey, I really hope so-and-so next to me is getting this. 
And just in case they're not, I'm taking notes for them, and I'm going to remind them about what they just heard later on, okay? That, that is not the purpose of this. I really want to encourage you, and as the pastors, we want to encourage you to be thinking about what does God have to say to you through this series? What, what, is, what is your part in, in honoring God in your relationships to make sure that they are God-honoring and also life-giving uh, to the people around you. This morning, we are looking at the most important ingredient, okay? The most important ingredient in, in our relationships, and, and I'm just going to spell it out real quick. It's, it's love, okay? That love is the most important relationship or the most important ingredient in our relationships, and we're going to see that um, as well in the text this morning. But here is the question. How do you love when you don't feel loving? How do you love when you haven't had examples of that love? How do you love when that love isn't reciprocated? How do you love when you don't feel the other person deserves it? What, what, what is the key? So if we are to say, okay, love is the most important ingredient, love is something that is to be characteristic of us in our relationships, how do you love if you don't feel like it's there. I mean, you can't just say, just do it. Um, that, that works really well for Nike, and it can inspire in that way, but when we know there are heart issues that we are dealing with, just saying try harder or just do it isn't going to cut it. Um, it's like taking somebody that is illiterate and saying, hey, I really want to help you out. I'm really sorry that you can't read, but I'm going to help you out, and so I, I bought you this book on how to read. All right, it, it's not, it's not going to be very helpful, okay? In the, in the same way, as we look at what does it mean to be loving, how do we love? It's not simply by saying, well, just love more, just love harder, just find it in you to love. But what we're going to see in our passage this morning out of Galatians 5, um, we are going to see the, the means by, by which we love one another. And so I want to uh, encourage you to turn there with me this morning. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Uh, if you have um, a Bible with you or one of the, the uh, Bibles around you, you can find it on page 826. Um, or you can open up on your device, find it on version. Um, as well. And so as um, we look at this passage, we're going to realize that love is not just about having some commonalities with other people. It's not just about having a, a certain affinity. It's not just about having a, a presence where we're in the same room, but it is a dynamic that God works within our hearts and how he's transforming us. So Galatians 5 verse 13, this is what it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we open up your word this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, give us ears to listen, hearts to be receptive and to understand, God, that you would help us to be a loving people. Not love based on what's in it for us, but love because that is what you've called us to be about. And so, God, I, I pray that you help us to apply what we are about to hear this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First point this morning is that real freedom is loving others, not indulging ourselves. Looking at verse 13 through 15, we see that the Bible, that the New Testament, based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, tells us that we have been given freedom, that we have been called to be free in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Now, we hear that word freedom, and, and, and our minds can go any number of directions. Uh, I mean, culture or society would say that freedom means do whatever you want to do uh, without restraint. Don't let anyone rain on your parade. Do what you want. Um, say what you want. Um, that is not the freedom that the Bible is talking about. Uh, the, the freedom that um, we have through Christ is, is a freedom that, that gives us victory over the curse and power of, of sin. Um, as the Bible says that the wages of sin is, is death, that sin comes with a curse. Sin alienates us uh, from God. Through Christ, we are reconciled. Our relationship with God is restored, and sin's power in our life is broken. And so through Christ, we have been given this freedom. That's why we make such a big deal about Easter two weeks ago, is that we celebrate that there is a Savior who has lived the perfect life that we cannot live, and then he died the death that each one of us deserved to die, bearing the wrath of God the justice upon sin, he, he bore that out on our behalf and rose again so that we can have eternal life, enjoying communion and relationship with God for all eternity without the curse of sin anymore. And, and so one day we will be away from the presence of sin altogether. Right now in life we deal with its presence, we deal with its curse, we wake up every day and we are reminded about the curse uh, of sin. However, for the follower of Jesus, saying you've been given freedom, that, that power of sin has been broken. And so that, that freedom is not being able to do simply whatever it is that we desire to do, but it's the freedom to do what is best. Now, you have the ability, let's say you were taking a trip to Europe, you have the freedom to say, hey, we want to fly there. 
okay? So um, you, you get on a plane and you're on the, the hours-long flight uh, over. Now let's say that you are midway over the Atlantic Ocean and you say, you know what, I'm really tired of flying. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And so let's just say that you didn't get stopped and you made your way to the, to the door and you say, you know what, I want out, and you jump out of the plane. And the whole way down, you're like, I'm so glad I'm not on that plane anymore. I'm so glad I'm finally free of that plane. The, re the reality is you're not really free, right? Even though you had the ability to make that choice, gravity is pulling you downward and you are not experiencing true freedom. So while you may have the ability to do something, it doesn't mean that you have the freedom to do that. It doesn't mean that you are actually free. And so for people that are just doing whatever it is that they want to do, they think, hey, I, I can do whatever I want. Isn't this great? Well, the reality is you're not really free. There's this gravitational pull of sin. What Jesus does is Jesus enables us real freedom to do what is best without the curse of sin, without consequence, without regret, without brokenness. And it's that freedom that he has called us to, okay? We see that that freedom that he has called us to comes with a purpose. We see it right here in this passage, second part of verse 13. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. So this, this freedom that we have been given to say, hey, I'm, I'm free from sin's curse. I'm free from sin's power. He says, You've been given that to enable you to love others, to, to serve other people, not to just go, hey, I'm free, and so now I'm going to live in self-isolation. I'm, I'm just going to live for myself. I'm going to be self-absorbed, but that we've been called to love others, not just mere sentiment, not just mushy, warm feelings but actually lived out through actions whereby we are serving one another, where we are benefiting one another. And it's so important that we understand that purpose that we've been given that freedom. Because otherwise, it's very easy to become selfish, isolated Christians, which really is like this oxymoron, how can that happen if by Christian we are saying a follower of Christ? so important that we understand that purpose. Um, a, a few years ago, I, I was reminded of how important it is to understand the purpose uh, of something. I, I, I was between ministries, and I was spending a summer doing landscape lighting and, and, and painting, and, and, and doing that, I would go through clothes pretty quick. I mean, they would get pretty messed up. And, and so um, one night, my, my wife came home from shopping. She says, hey, I got you some new jeans. So in my mind, I was thinking, you know what, my, my work stuff is getting all messed up. And, and wow, this is so nice that my wife bought me some new jeans for work. Okay, so the next day I go out and I'm painting and I'm slopping stuff all over them. And I'm just thinking, hey, this is really great. Until I got home that night and I realized my wife's purpose for those jeans and my purpose for those jeans were altogether different. As she looks at me and she says, are you wearing the new jeans I just bought you? Well, yeah, you bought those for me for work. No, <laughs> those were not for work. Okay, so that was kind of late lesson learned right there, how important it is that, that we understand the purpose for something so that we live according to its proper use. 
So our, our freedom in Christ is not just so that we can go, yay, I'm going to heaven someday. Yay, God forgives me. Yay, God's always there for me. And, and those, are, those are true things. But the freedom that we have been given has impact right now on our relationships with one another, where we are called to serve one another in love. Not so that we can serve ourselves or, as he says here in verse 13, indulge our flesh. Now, when the Bible is talking about indulging our flesh, it, it just means living according to our own selfish, sinful desires. Just thinking about what we want, not thinking about what is honoring to God, not thinking about what honors God or what pleases him or even thinking about other people. It's just thinking about what gratifies us. Oftentimes today, people think that's just a matter of just be true to yourself. Just live according to your own passions, your own, your own pleasures. Do what you want to do. And yet the reality is, is that sin always destroys. See, if, if we claim to be followers of Christ, and yet we're still meddling with sin, it, it doesn't mean like we have some insurance policy that that sin is not going to impact us. Sin always destroys. So if there is a relationship that you are in and you have introduced sin into it, the outcome is never going to be good. You, you can't add, add sin as an ingredient into something and expect it to be somehow better. Sin always destroys. It always breaks. It always brings death. And so it's so important that we understand this freedom that we've been given by Christ is a freedom from sin and a freedom to love. And he warns in verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, probably most of you, if you look to the person next to you, you can't imagine just suddenly gnawing on their arm. Right? No matter, no matter you know, how hungry you get this morning. Now, I understand it's still, it's still early. You might have just had breakfast or maybe you missed it. But regardless of how hungry you get, you're not going to look at the person next to you and go, well, you look good. You know, and just start chewing on them. And, and you think, man, that, that's so ridiculous. You know, I mean, can you imagine how crazy that would be if all of a sudden you see people biting each other and start gnawing on each other's arm? We say, man, that's ridiculous. And yet, emotionally, Relationally, this happens all the time. Verbally, with attitudes, it, it happens all the time. It's, it's not physical, and, and so we think it's better off, and yet it's just as harmful, if not more harmful. I mean, how many of you like to be nitpicked? Uh, how many of, of you like people talking uh, about you? How many of you like it when someone is always just saying what you are doing wrong and then they claim it's for your benefit because hey they're just keeping it real you know they're, they're just keeping it real just thought you should know you know how you're not measuring up always taking pot shots always hitting below the belt always just you know fighting to win uh, with their words and, and he's saying hey if, if you bite and devour each other watch out or you will be destroyed by each other being careful not to be manipulative in our relationships. 
Because relationships are given by God. They, they are something to be treasured, not something to be used as a, a means of currency. In, in other words, relationships are, are the gift. They should not be used as a means to something else that we really want. You know, if I, if I know this person, if I hang around this person, well, that's going to give me an in with these people over here. And if these people think I'm something, well, then, hey, then I'll be more popular or more accepted or, or I'll have some status or, hey, they have, they have a really nice boat. Man, I love being on the water. And so if I get to know them, maybe, hey, maybe then I can get out on the water too and do what I really want to do. And I'm just using those people as a means of getting what I want. Treasure people. Don't use them as the means of something else. Don't seek to use them for your own consumption. Don't devour one another. Instead, we realize that everything that it is that we would desire to have comes from Christ. Comes from God. While we might tend to be cannibalistic of thinking, hey, I can feed off of other people and I can get what I want, the status and the approval and the things that I might want from other people, God's saying you can't get that from anybody else. You can't get that from anybody else. It's only through Jesus Christ. You see, the second point here, real love is being led by God, not by our desires. See, here, here's the key when we say, okay, if I'm going to be following Jesus, and if I am going to be somebody loving, how does that play out in battling these desires of approval, of status, of looking to other people to satisfy, to feed me, to satisfy me? It's realizing that it's not going to come through people, it comes through God. And in verse 16 and 25, we, we see something very similar. In verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, in other words, having solid relationships and having it in a way where they are loving, where we are serving in love, is possible, not just an ideal. It's not just a pipe dream. It's not just, well, that would be nice, but he's saying hey, this, is, this is how it works, is by walking by the Spirit as followers of Jesus. And that is what is so key. Okay? It, it's not about, well, I prayed the prayer. You know, I, I go to church at least twice a month. I, I read the Bible every once in a while. It's not just about what we call ourselves by saying Christians. It's about being a follower of Jesus. I mean, you can say you, you can get in a car, yeah, but you might not drive anywhere. Just getting in the car doesn't do you any good unless there's gas in it and you have the keys to go somewhere. So being a follower of Jesus means that we keep our eyes on Jesus. That, that we live according to how Jesus wants us to. That we live according to the Spirit working in our life where we are living according to what honors God. Living according to when we are convicted to repent uh, of our sin. That we are sensitive to His leading in, in our life. Where it is an active pursuit of daily obedience 
to Christ. See, so many times if you look at what causes the brokenness, what causes uh, the strife within us, the, the conflicts, it, it comes down to pride. And, and pride is, is so ugly because on, on one hand, pride keeps us from seeing ourselves as we really are. And then secondly, if we do happen to catch a glimpse of what is wrong, pride keeps us from doing anything about it. We, we, we just make excuses for it. But when we are living according to the Spirit, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be living according to our, our own desires. It's going to be living according to what He desires because this brokenness that happens when we just live for ourselves, when we live according to the flesh, when we live in a way that is dishonoring to God, He, he lays it out in verse 19 through 21. He says, uh, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, here's the thing with a list like this. Sometimes we see a list like this, and we see some things that we say, I'd never do that, and we throw out the things that we do. And the reality is, in this list, there's things that each one of us in our hearts, struggle with apart from the grace of God. And where he's saying, hey, there's, there, there's no excuse for it, that our flesh is always going to take us farther than we ever intended to go. There, there's nobody that stands before a church one day saying their I do's to somebody else before God and other people, expecting there to one day be an I don't. Nobody grows up expecting someday to admit um, their brokenness and their addictions and thinking that their life would go the way that it has. It's so important that we are walking according to the Spirit's leading in our life for those of us that are followers of Christ. And, and, and maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I, I would say that's the first step. Because otherwise to say, hey, to, to love like this, to love like this, it's, uh, it's like telling you to, you know, drive somewhere without putting any gas in the tank. It, it, it's not going to get you anywhere. And so I would say to you, if you are not yet a follower of Christ, I, I would encourage you this morning that what it takes is it's a, it's a matter of repenting of your sin, admitting to God that you've blown it. Like all of us in this room have. That, that we're all sinners separated from God because of our sin, but that he loved us so much he sent his son to die on our behalf. And he rose again so that when we come to him admitting that we're a sinner and that we want him to be our savior, to save us, to forgive us, that we'll follow him. He forgives us. He promises us that. That he'll forgives, forgive us of every sin. So I want to encourage you to make that decision this morning. But in our relationship with God, just like any other relationship, every relationship takes discipline of time and, and energy and we need the same thing in um, our walk with Christ, is that we need to be in his word, to walk by the spirit, to spend time with him. Because here's the reality in our lives is that in those relationships that you have, I'm sure you have some close relationships over the years where you have some good memories and some things where maybe you say one part of a phrase and the other person can finish it, or you just throw back something like Miami 1989 <laughs> and you start laughing because of that shared experience that you have and you begin to talk like one another and, and you have the same kind of perspectives on things, that's what happens in our relationship with God. 
When we spend time with God, our perspective changes where we begin to think in a way that is honoring to him. Where we begin to look at the world in the way that he sees the world. Where we begin to disapprove of things that are dishonoring to him. And so in walking with him, it has impact on our life. It has impact on the way that we love. We see that in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, these are, are the things that are indicators of understanding our freedom that Christ has given and also surrendering our lives to him. And, and, and walking by the Spirit, this is what it's going to look like. This is why we can't just foster these things up on our own. I mean, we can try, and it might be successful for a little bit of time, but genuine love that goes beyond ourselves, that is able to love when the other person isn't reciprocating. When you are tired, when you are fed up, when you are frustrated, to remember the work of God in your heart that produces these things, where it's not based on, hey, if this person does this for me, I'll do that for them. But no, because God has done these things for me, and God actively lives these characteristics out for me, then I, in turn, can live them out for other people. Because in all of these things where we might make excuse, well, no one's doing that for me. No, God is. God is living these things out for you. So it's based on God's work in your life, not somebody else's work in your life. See, that's the actual substance of how do we love when we don't feel like it. Because then it just becomes a matter of surrender. And it's genuine and it's true and it's deep and it's joyous and it's eternal much bigger than just romantic, much bigger than just, hey, we have some commonality, much bigger than, hey, we have some common hobbies or drives or um, desires, but true love that is centered on Christ, that benefits all of our relationships, even those relationships where you might say, that other person doesn't even know Jesus, but the work of Jesus impacts your heart to love that person for Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you this morning for the love that you have poured out for us in Christ. We are so undeserving, and yet, God, you are so gracious and so good. And God, admittedly, each of us, I'm sure, have relationships that are trying, that are difficult, that take patience. God, there might be some here today that um, are just really struggling right now. And God, I pray that you would give wisdom. I pray that you would give strength. I pray that you would give power to, to love those that are difficult to love. I pray for those um, relationships in our lives that maybe we're taking for granted. God, we, we praise you for those relationships. And I, I pray that you would help us to acknowledge those people in our hearts that are so special. God, thank you for what you've done for us. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.